0: All right, all right. Hey, good uh, good afternoon, beautiful people. Welcome to Sunday service. It is good to have you guys here. Thank you so much for coming out, being here in the Lord's Day with God's people. Welcome to our church. My name is Tony. If you guys didn't know, I am the English pastor here at TLC. I uh, hope God's word speaks to you today as we uh, get into it. We are in a series called Who is the Church? Who is the Church? It's... um, it's a series that, that explores this, this, this idea of if we are rooted in Christ and we are living in him, and the expression of that should be done within the people of God, right? Oh, Jonathan's here. What's going on, man? Hey, I see him. All right, I'm sorry. All right, uh, <laughs> I want to I wanna explore with you who is the church. The church is not just a building, not just a place. It's the fundamental... Uh, heart of the people of God. This is the church. And we, we've, been, we've been talking about some identifying markers of the church. Okay? And I, I've shared with you three of them. And uh, I want to share with you as we unpack more of it, the implications of what those markers mean for the world around us. We talked about that the church is a people marked by truth. We are people that we live how we live, not just because we're just supposed to do it or not just because we're, 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 we're called to do it or there's some sort of checklist that we do. We do what we do. We live how we live. We fight for what we fight for. We stand for what we stand for based on what has happened in the past. A historical moment, which we call the good news, the gospel, where God himself came down died on the cross for our sins and resurrected and came back from the dead. And because of that, we now do what we do here. We now live the way we live here. We now fight for what we fight for here. We are people marked by truth. Another marker that we talked about, another identity that we talked about was we were created to display his divinity. The only way that God has Ordained or decided that we were, he, he is to make himself known to the world now is through his church, it's through his people, it's through you, it's through me. And the way we live, and the way we love, and the way we deal, and the way we um, fight, and what we stand for, we are to reflect his character, his life, his glory, his beauty, his holiness. We are his bride, we are his body, we are his church. He will hold up this body, you on the last day before heaven and hell, and it says, this is the glory of my son. What my son has done di- on the cross, you see it now in its people, the church. All right? Makes us think we have a lot of things to do still. All right? And a lot of ways in which we need to learn to reflect the image of God more. Another identity marker that we talked about was united to one another, intentionally, intimately, and intensely United to one another. One of the fundamentals identity of the church is to be intimately built into the life of one another. It's to is to to be so connected into one another's lives where we are uh, engaging God, we are seeing God, we, we we are held accountable to one another. We we are loving in each other. So this is the one of the identity markers of how closely united are we in the works that God has called us to do. And today I want to share with you the last of the identity markers is that we are a people strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the identity that makes the church the church is that we are a people strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Next week, uh, Evan's going to be here. Uh, for those of you guys who are not leaving for uh, Dai Hoi, Evan will be here and he's going to be sharing about the implications of what all these identities mean now, living it out forward, uh, living it out continuously, right? And then the week after that, actually, our elder, uh, Wayne, Bob, and Wang, right, he's going to come and he's going to give us a message, a, po- a, a further message on what that, these identities will do uh, being implied out into the world around us. Evan will give us a more theological, pastoral, church planning perspective, and Wang will give us more of a uh, life, work, uh, job perspective, right? Um, and so, but I want to give us the last of the, of the identity written in the book of Ephesians about the church. Okay, so open your Bibles, to Ephesians 3 14 and 20, 22. We are to be a church strengthened by the power, by power through the Holy Spirit. I want to share with this with you as we read this. Chapter three, verse fourteen to twenty-two. If your Bibles, if you just if you didn't bring it today, uh, just look up on the screen. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. This is Paul speaking, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derive its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, We are to be strengthened by the power, by power, through the Holy Spirit. Now, why is this important? Why is it important that we're not just people marked by truth, that we're not just out here to display these things, that we're not just united to each other, but that we are to have this power resonating, pulsating within us to the world around us that we call the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, okay? Ephesians at this point Chapter 1 and chapter 2, Paul has been talking about the gospel, the good news. He's been talking about this picture of how we, his creation, his creature, the highest of his creation, were made in the image of God. We're made in his image. We are the only one made in his image. There is something unique, beautiful, powerful about us. And not only did he make us this way, he has given us a purpose, a plan, a destiny, a trajectory for us to live by. But the result of the life of humanity is that we chose to not believe that God knows what he knows, to believe that we can do better than God, to disobey, to run our race our way, to do things the way we want to do it, ultimately leading to this picture of what we call the fall. Now, instead of living up to the true image of humanity, we're now just a shadow of that image. But God would not leave us there. As the gospel proclaims, he would not leave us there because of his great love for us. But we are stuck. We are in trouble. Because all sin is punishable by death. And so what does he do? He sends his only son to pay the penalty for our sins and to show us his immeasurable love. By sacrificing him on the cross so that now... After his death and his resurrection, what is true of Jesus becomes true of us. That is the good news. And after Paul has shared this from chapter 1, chapter 2, he's just, I mean, this is how how deep Paul is. He's just so enthralled by this, right, just by this unbelievable news. This is how how immersed he is in the reality of the good news that he decided to do what? I'm going to pause, and I'm going to pray. This is a prayer he just did right here. He actually, he just paused. For this reason, he says, I kneel before my Father, and I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. He's praying now. All of this is true. The gospel, the good news is true, but now I'm going to get on my knees before my Father, and I'm going to pray for you to do what? To be powered by the Holy Spirit for three things. Check this out. What are the three things he talked about? verse 17 so that christ may dwell in your hearts that you would know the surpassing knowledge of christian love right so that you would be filled with all the fullness of god this is kind of weird let me tell you why it's weird because if you are a believer already and you say that jesus christ is your lord and savior then aren't these three things already yours aren't you already filled and dwelt doesn't christ already dwell in your heart Don't you already know the the, the knowledge of the Christian love that, that, that God has for you? Right? Aren't you filled with the fullness of God that you are filled with his spirit? Isn't this already common knowledge? And it is. But you know what he's praying for? You know what he's praying for here? You may have all these things. It may be true of you. But you have never been grasped by it. Its power is not alive in you. You have it. You know it. You understand it. It's part of your rhythm. It's part of your structure. It's part of your fundamental identity, but you have never been grasped by it. And that's what he's praying for. I pray that you will have power through the Holy Spirit to be grasped by the reality that Christ dwells with you. That you will have, by, you will have the power through the Holy Spirit to be grasped by the knowledge, the surpassing knowledge of Christian love. I pray that you will have the power through the Holy Spirit to be filled with the fullness of God, that you would experience it. You can have it. So this is is where it is, guys. It's easy, it's possible, and it's easy for Christians to live with phoniness, hollowness, lack of depth, inauthenticity, because they have never fully experienced the power in which Paul is talking about here. You can have all of these things. You can know all of these things. It could be true of you, but you can still be inauthentic, lacking of depth, no wisdom, hollow, and phony in your Christian life because you have not been grasped by this. Let me give you an example, an illustration that I think will take this home. When we first had Seth, you know, we were all like um, uh, young parents. We just wanted to keep our kid healthy. So we did What? We said, we're going to control his diet, no sugar, right? That didn't last very long. But we, that, was, that was our beginning, uh, you know, parental, you know, um, thing. Like, we're going to give him no sugar. And so I remember when he, when he asked me, Daddy, what does ice cream taste like? And I was like, it's delicious. He's said, like, but well, what does it taste like? It's like, it's sweet. It's like, oh, yeah? I was like, yeah. And, like, when you eat it, 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 it just kind of tingles on your lips and, and the coldness begins to like kind of flow through your head, and just get it just elevates your brain. Like you, you, feel like you're in a whole different place. He's like, "Whoa, right?" I said, "But how, like, is, can you give me an example?" It's, like, it's, it's kind of like milk. He's like, "Ew." It's like, "No, not like that." But it's like it's it's like it's milk, but it's like milk that's like been poured out with sugar. Like, What's sugar? It's like I know it's I know it's hard, but let me tell you, it's amazing. It's so good. Right? And he said, Oh, it's so good. So every time we walk by the store, we used to go to the store a lot. We walk by the ice cream. He says, Daddy, ice cream. He's like, Yeah, so good. I'm like, So good. Never had, never had a taste of it. So good, so good. Tells mommy, Mommy, ice cream. Yeah, so good. Right? And she's like, Did he eat ice cream? He's like, No. He's like, What do you mean he's so good? like, He knows it, it's good. And I remember the first day I gave it to him, right? here, vanilla ice cream, put in a little bowl, took a spoon. He's like, this is so good, dad. He didn't even take it, so good. I'm like, yes. Puts it in his mouth. And then, like, all of a sudden, you see, like, all the lights just turn on. Right? His brain just functioned and everything just connected. And everything that he thought he knew, he didn't know. Right? He thought he knew what good was, but he didn't know. Because the moment he was grasped by it, it literally transformed his life. Right? He was like... It's so good, daddy. <laughs> They're like, it's so, so good. I'm like, I know, I told you. Like, no, 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 it's so good. I was like, duh. And it's the exact same way when it comes to the, this Christian life. And you can be living in the phoniness of, wow, Christian, follower Jesus, so good, so great. I have his spirit. I know what love is. It's so good but never actually being grasped by its power. That's what Paul's praying for. He's, he's not praying for inauthenticity among the brothers and sisters. He's not just praying for a phoniness of, of knowledge, of, uh, understanding in your mind. He's praying for the reality of it to hit your heart, to transform your life, to grasp at your very being. That's what he's praying for. And that's, that's the prayer that all the churches should be praying for. Do you guys realize that? Is that? that we shouldn't just know this, but we need to be compelled by it, grasped by it, changed by it. Can, can I tell you guys something? We are called as a generation for such a time as this. Right? We are called. You've been placed here to be used as God's workmen in this generation. As your pastor right? I get it. I, I, I'm, I'm the point person. If everybody looks at the church, they, they usually see the pastor first, but I'm just one dude among all you guys. I'm just one body, one part among this whole mechanism that is God's body, God's bride, God's family. What I say doesn't dictate everything. You know, God's placed something in my heart for the next few years of our church. He has, right? The thing he's placed in my heart is to raise up families, to actually know and love their children to a place where they were raising their kids to know and love Jesus Christ faithfully and to raise our brothers and our men to be leaders in this time that's what God's placed in my heart and some of you guys are like oh that's nice that's cute right kind of boring I, I admit sometimes for some of us it could be great for some of us it could be kind of boring but here's the thing here's the reality God has placed you here to put something to do something more than, what, than just to survive and just to meander through this world. You're placed here to be used by God in this generation. You know one thing I know I'm missing? For sure. I'm missing the inability. I have the inability to see beauty. Or at least to create it in a way that is actually faithful to the church. You know, you know why I love the church of old when I, when I read the book of Acts? You know what I see in it? I see, I see a church that's faithful to God's word. That does not bend or yield from it. They are faithful to God's word. They're there. And also a church that does what? That creates beauty through their love, through their kindness, and through their acts. Somewhere along the way, the churches, we got fragmented. And we get churches that are like all about God's word. And so we get a bunch of people sitting in corners just talking about why everything is wrong, why the world sucks, and why you just need to just read the Bible. No passion, no love, no beauty, no heart. No compassion. And we have another group of people somewhere along the way, churches being built, where it's all about compassion, all about love, all about but no groundedness. So they jump from one thing to the other. Not driven by anything true, not driven by anything real, but just jumping back and forth over and over. The, tri- the reality of God's church has always been both God's word and love and beauty combined together. To not just know it, but to be grasped by it in such a way Where you live it out powerfully in this world around you. Do you guys realize that? We cannot live forever with your pastor's mindset, right? You have been called to create beauty that I cannot. You have been called to create something that I cannot. You've been called to engage in an area of life that I cannot. And the church was always meant to be this way. It was always meant to come together and reveal its beauty and work this beauty out in the world around us. It cannot always be, PT, you figure it out. It cannot always be, PT, you tell us what to do. I mean, it's probably easier, honestly, right? But, like, I'm pretty sure you guys don't like that, anyways, right? But that you have been called. The only thing that's missing. You know what the only thing that's missing is? It's not the knowledge. The only thing that's missing is the power. Such a heart is grasped by God in such a way where you begin to say, you know what? I want to just do this. I I have a heart for this. I'm driven by this. I'm built for this. I'm called for this. You know, I'm so grateful that we have two amazing ministries in TLC, Creative and Agape. Who, who instinctively understand the beauty of creating beauty, right? We would do more. We, 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 would be, we, would, we would be foolish not to do more, especially for a generation that needs it. But you were called for this. You were called for this time to awaken a sleeping generation to the reality of the living God. There's a running joke in our men's group page where the next time you have a staff, uh, next time, we hire a staff. He has to be able to uh, work at either Blizzard, Riot, or one of those places. Because apparently that's, how, that's the only way we get people to respond on those pages. Right? All right? Anytime one of our brothers says, I'll give you some points, psh, I got a hundred response. Right? I'll ask a question like, hey, um, anybody afraid to come out to a men's group? Maybe like one like in there somewhere. Right? "Any brother want to kind of get together and do a, uh, uh, sorry, let me turn this thing off. If I want to get together and and, and, um, uh, try out this uh, beta testing of a game, whoosh, hundred comments. I said, Lord, give me the ability. (laughs) I need to create this somehow. You know? It's a joke, but it's reality. Why is it important? Why is it important to be strengthened by power through the Holy Spirit? Because you can know it up here. But unless you're grasped by it here, you really don't know it. And the reality of a church that doesn't really know it is a church that is stagnant and still, that's so inner-focused and not thinking about what what Christ's dwelling in our hearts means to the world around us. It's not thinking about how the surpassing knowledge of Christian love can impact the world around us. It's not thinking about how, with all the fullness of God being filled with that, how I can actually do something for the world around us. God has called you to do this. God has called us to do this. And what is needed is a people that is grasped by this truth. You are not bought by God to merely navigate this life. You are made to live this life in such a God-pulsing way that, yes, you may be living a very normal day-to-day life, but the way you live day-to-day, it changes people. It, infect, it infects people with your with your, with, with God's uh, image and God's beauty. It, it begins to move culture. The world around you begins to be changed by just being in contact with you. It should have that because you've been grasped by this word. You've been grasped by this power. You know it's good, but you haven't really tasted that it's good. Because the moment you taste it that it's good, what happens? you realize you have never really even known what you were tasting before. So what is this strengthening power through the Holy Spirit? What is it? A couple things, okay? It means that the inner spiritual sensitivity to gospel truth. It means that that your heart has been sensitized in such a way that when we begin to speak this word, it begins to stir something in your heart. The power to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit is you're sensitized so that when you are hearing it, when you are experiencing it, you begin to be moved by it, right? You begin to understand it. You begin to, uh, it begins to grip you. It begins to draw you. You hear holiness and you actually want to partake in holiness. You hear about love and you want to be able to be a part of a person who can offer love you hear sin and it brings you to your knees of repentance you hear about obedience and you actually obey you are sensitized to it this is what it means to be powered through the holy spirit your inner spiritual sensitivity to the gospel truth i'll give you an example for this one right you know when hamilton first came out all right I remember I was, at a, I was at AZ Mission. We were going to AZ Mission. One of the girls in our church, she started playing on the piano at um, Pastor Mick's house. And I was like, oh, that's cute. She's like, oh, no, it's really good. And she's like playing it. I'm like, oh, it's pretty good, right? I, I mean, I was whatever. I wasn't like really thinking about it. I wasn't really focused on it, right? And so then, you know, a couple weeks later, a couple months later, I, I decided like I'll, just, I'll, I'll, I'll read the lyrics. I, I went on and started looking at the lyrics and I started playing it a little bit. I'm just reading. Oh, it's not bad, not bad. Right? But I just kept reading it, I kept watching, it. I kept listening to it as I was doing work. Just playing in the background. Right? Just playing in the background. And then for some reason, my best buddy he bought me tickets to watch it with him. I was like, okay. I went to watch it. And by that time, I didn't even know. But my heart was already sensitized to it, right? So the moment they started singing, I was like, oh my lord, what is this? Right? I'm I'm like, I'm lost. I mean, I, I was like, I was super cultured that day. I was like, man, bro. He's like, bro. I was like, bro bro right two bros just watching hamilton together it was was nothing wrong with that we were watching it It was great you know and i was just moved by it i was desperately moved by that musical why because there's an inner sensitivity to that do you have that You, you, you know what the power of the holy spirit is what that power that's beginning to work in you is that there is an inner sensitivity and what else begins to happen what the the strengthening by power of the Holy Spirit is, is that Christ is dwelling in your heart. It means that Christ's approval becomes more real and more important in your life than any other voices. It's not that your parents' voice is not important. It's not that your boss's voice is not important. It's not that your spouse's voice is not important. But then all of a sudden, Christ is dwelling in your heart. This is what this power means. It's that his his voice begins to be the most important in your heart. You begin to ask the question, like, what would you want me to do in this situation, Jesus? You bring him into it. You actually invite him into the presence. You don't just kind of like, I'm about to do something and I don't think you should know about it, Lord, so I'm just going to take you out, right? You actually bring him into this and ask the question, is this who I'm supposed to be dating? Is this the job I'm supposed to be having? Is this the decision I'm supposed to be making? Until this happens, until this begins to happen, at best, at best, you're living a very hollow Christian life. Meaning you know it, you understand it, but it hasn't grasped you. You haven't asked these questions because you haven't wanted to ask the question. What is the strengthening of the power of the Holy Spirit? is when Christ begins to be so involved in your very being that you are involved in every aspect of your life. It becomes to be more real to you. And lastly, what does strengthening by the Holy Spirit mean? It means filled to the fullness of God. If you want to know what I'm talking about, just look at the notes, all right? It means filled to the fullness of God. This is what all he's been sharing here. It's, it's, this, it's this idea where you're living a new kind of life. It's, it means it's impossible for you to have feeling. To have, it's, it's possible for you to have feeling that moves you but never change you. You got to be changed by this, right? There's a fullness of God that's living inside of you where the truth of God's word and these emotions are now fused together and you're living it out. You're not just emotionally re- reacting To whatever's happening around us but you're not just kind of rationally analyzing it either there's a rational part there's an emotional part you bring it together and you begin to live this out there's a fullness of your life see the bible is so beautiful because god is so beautiful because what he does is he never separates the two he brings those two together where you can be desperately and beautifully intimately rational and yet known for your unbelievable love and kindness as a believer People should be able to know exactly what you stand for, why you stand for it, and yet drawn so deeply to you that though they may not agree with you, they cannot disconnect with you because of the way you live and the way you love and the way you bless and and your kindness begins to overflow. That is the fullness of God living and working and shaping you. You know what the power of the Holy Spirit is? That's the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Are you sensitive to the leading when the gospel truth is preached? When I share, when I give the message, <coughs> do you walk away convicted? Do you walk away thinking, Lord, yes. Do you walk away, there's something that needs to be changing in my life. Do you walk away thinking, Lord, I need to repent of this area of my sin. Lord, I need to obey <coughs> you through this. When, when, when you are Dealing with life, do you begin to ask those questions? Does that become the instinctive reaction to you? Before I figure out I'm going to buy this car, Lord, is this something that is necessary for me? Before I begin to do these things and make these decisions, are you, be- are you bringing Jesus Christ into the fold? And are you living the kind of life in this world where the truth of God's word is not compromised in your life? And yet the kindness and the love and the beauty that comes out of that love is fused together to be expressed to the world around you. Is that the power that's alive in you? It's important. The importance is because you can go through your whole entire Christian life having an understanding of all of this and never once being grasped by it. Never once being able to do anything with it. Never once having any effect in this world for it. We are called, that's why Paul prayed. I pray that you will be strengthened by power through the Holy Spirit. That these things are made alive and real in you. You are called for a time as this, church. This is your generation to be created. You are called to bring something new, a new life, a new picture, a new remnant. You are called to bring God's workmanship, God's beauty into this time. Not to sit passively by as things pass you. We need to work, church, in this area. And lastly, so the basic question is this. Okay, I get the why. I get the why. I go through, my, I go through the motion. Could be because I'm hollow. I get it. I can, I can sense time. I'm, I'm, I'm inauthentic as a believer. Phony. I haven't been grasped by God's word. I know what that power is. There's a sensitivity to the word that's being preached. There is a desire to seek for Christ's approval in my life, first and foremost. There's a hunger in my life to live this truth out in a way that's beautiful and lively and wonderful to the world around me. The question is, how do I do that, PT? How do we do this? Let me lay down a couple things for you. First, regular, sustained, seeking prayer. There's some prerequisites for this. It's a regular, sustained, seeking prayer. Do you know what that means? That means that each day of your life, you come before God, and you can pray the exact same prayer, but it's a seeking prayer. I'm seeking for this to be part of the reality of my life, and you are living that prayer out each day you wake up in the morning and and, and i'm not saying that you just lip this prayer i'm not saying that you just kind of like oh jesus christ i love you bless me today and walk away right so you wake up in the morning your eyes are open you're sitting there and you know you're about to start your day and you're saying lord are you here okay good i got something to ask you today oh lord make me an instrument of your peace make me an instrument of your peace. that's been my prayer this past year Every time I wake up, I say, "Lord, make me an instrument of Your peace. That where there is hatred, O God, let me sow love. Where there is despair, let me sow hope. Where there is doubt, let me sow faith. Where there is darkness, let me sow light." But God, make me an instrument of Your peace today. Amen. And every day, everywhere I walk—I mean, not every day—I'm an instrument of His peace. Sometimes I don't even talk to people and so "There's no instrument there, right?" But each day, I walk with that driving prayer in my heart. It's a prerequisite. Yours can be very simple. God, Lord, make me know you today deeper than before. Lord, teach my heart to love everyone I come in contact with. But there's this driving, sustained, seeking prayer. Okay? Second thing. If you want to know how to go from just mere understanding of God's truth to being grasped by it, first, Regular sustained seeking prayer, but second thing is obedience. This is the hardest one. It's obedience. You gotta obey. Paul, look what Paul did. He said, I kneel before the Father. It's an act of saying, Yes, whatever you want, I will do. He gets on his knees and he prays in obedience to the Father. And he asks, obedience you will not see the grasping power of the Holy Spirit in your life if there is a lacking of obedience in your life. You can talk about Christianity, you can talk about its love, you can talk about its, uh, its qualities, you can talk about its characteristics, you can talk about the beauty of God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, but if there is no obedience in your life, you will never come to a place where you are grasped by all of that. Right? It's it's like like the dude that talks about how if you, you know, if you would lift this much weight and if you do this much thing at the gym and you would get all these muscles. And all he talks about is like, that's how you get muscles. That's what you do. That's what you do. And he knows exactly everything you're supposed to do. But you look at him and you're like, are you sure? Because it doesn't look like whatever you're telling me is working on you, right? Oh, It works. Yeah, but not apparently to you, right? Because this is what I'm imagining and this is what I see. Right? Because you can talk about it unless you actually do it, you actually obey, then you begin to see. You guys get me? It's the exact same way. If you wanna see the power of what Christ is gonna do in your life through the Holy Spirit, you gotta make it into your heart that I'm going to obey. Not just what I want to obey, but that all that He calls me to obey, and I'm gonna fight to obey. Even when it's hard. And even when I fail, I will get back up and seek to obey. And the third prerequisite for this is what? Community. Deeply involved in community. You cannot do this by yourself. I know a lot of you guys think you guys can. All right? And you know, you know what the beautiful, beautiful thing about our church is? We're patient enough to let you go through your process until you realize you cannot. And all the while, I want you to know, you cannot, you will not grasp what God can, will, and shall do in you unless there's a community behind you. Unless there's people of God who is doing what? Seeing God, experiencing God with you, and you're working in them. You know, one of, she's not here, but one of the blessings I have with uh, working with Elon for 10 years, right, is... Um, She's she's very uh, aesthetic in terms of um, beauty, you know. what I'm saying like it's, it's, she's the only one in our meetings is like that. You know, we're talking about like practical things. She's like, let's tell stories. What stories? You know, we got. We, it's, wouldn't it be so much better if we tell these stories in a way that kind of stirs the heart? I'm like, I just need them to get here, right? If the story's gonna get them there, sure, I'll do it. You know, but I never thought of that. I, but you know, what, but you know, being. In relationship and being a brother and a sister to her, bring a brother to her, what I've learned about God is that he works through stories. He works through beauty. He works through art. Left to my own device, we'll be a church that's all about, like, you know, practicality here. Let's keep it real, guys, right? Beauty, art, uh, yeah, let's just leave it for, the, for those guys, right? The weird ones, you know? You know? But thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. That he sees it fit to fill this church with people who create beauty. Because I will never be able to see that. I will, be able, I will never be able to grasp that. I need, I, I need you guys to grasp it so that I can help grasp it. I told the kids this today. I said, you guys are a beautiful generation because you see beauty everywhere. Right? Or you see what, 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 what beauty can be. Let me just teach you the word. You teach me beauty. Is that fair? And they're like, "No, nah, think about it." And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> "But you need a community because you're never going to be able to grasp." But some of you guys need me too, right? I think you guys need me for practicality and for holiness. Sometimes you need a just a good slap on the back of the head, Say, "Hey, that's not where you're supposed to be going. Stop. Seek." for holiness we need each other you need community you guys follow how do we allow for the power to be used in us to be so that we can be grasped by this power living the way god has called us to live through the holy spirit you need sustained seeking prayer obedience and community but there's two skills you need to master okay there's two skills in here that you need to master in order to make this all work okay two skills first skill Meditation. Now, when I say meditation, I'm not talking about Easter meditation. Easter meditation is you try to free your mind, right? Like empty your mind. Christian meditation is what? Fill your mind. You need to master the art of meditation where you're wrestling truth into your heart. You have to to wrestle God's truth in your life. You have to... um, You you have to be, you're thinking, you're reflecting, you're applying, you're questioning your actions that day. You're walking through, you're driving home, you're thinking like, what is my attitude? Why did I think like that? Why Why did I have such expectations? Why did I demand that from them? Why am I bitter that they didn't do that for me? You begin to ask these questions and you begin to ask God's truth. God, what is your word telling me about what's going on here? I need your truth to shape my thoughts. I need your truth to move my decisions. I don't, this is how I feel. I'm genuinely upset about this, but I need your truth to tell me, to shape me, to mold me. And then I need you to give me, to examine my life and then make the conscious choice to change the course of action. Right? Yesterday I, w- I, was, um, I, was, I, was, I was doing some work. And I was, I was in a situation where I was, I was kind of upset. I was kind of a little bitter. I was, I was wasting a lot of time doing this, right? And I felt bitter because I felt like, you know what? There's an expectation that I have, right? And I, and I was thinking, maybe I should stop having these expectations, you know? Like, maybe this generation is not a big deal generation anymore. This is just generation, you just got to tell them exactly what they need to hear, right? I can't expect them to understand or know what to do. So I was, I was really upset. I was driving. I've been driving for like four hours already. I'm just like back and forth. I'm just, I'm tired. And I was was driving home and I was just meditating on this. Like every part of my heart wanted to be upset. But I took God's word and I I I said, Lord, you tell me. You know what he said to me in that part? He said this. Why are you expecting that? What is so great about you that you think you demand or earn that? You are a sinner and need a salvation just like everyone else. And I was like, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. You know? Your action was to bless and love. Not to be, and, and as, I, as, I, as I thought through that, as I meditated on that, I made the conscious effort, conscious decision in my heart. to said, Lord, remind me again, always again. I'm here to bless. What I do is a call to Bless period. Whether I am blessed in return or not, not the importance. I'm called for that. That's meditation. You guys get that? That's deep wrestling with an issue in your heart, calling God's truth into that, examining the way you live contrary to that truth, and then making the conscious effort to change because of that. That's meditation. That's a skill that you need to develop. That's a skill that you need to hone. That's a skill that you need to go through. Otherwise, guess what? You're not going to be able to allow for God's word to penetrate in such a way where it will grasp your heart and change your life. You got to master that skill. Day in and day out, you got to master that skill. It's not just a one-time deal, it's a daily deal. But here's here's the most important part. The second skill that you have to master is not to go through your Christian life with this abstract thinking, God's love, therefore I should love. God is patient, therefore I should be patient. God is good, therefore I should be good. It's not to be abstract. You have to master the skill of taking your reality and place it on the foundation and the focal point that drives us. And you want that focal point. You know who that focal point is? Jesus Christ. You gotta put your. You have to set your life through the gospel in such a way where it's no longer an abstract idea that God loves me. But that he loves me in Jesus. In Jesus he loves me. Let me tell you, if you guys haven't, until this becomes real to you, you're never going to be able to grasp this power. Let me tell you what this, look at what Paul says here in, in verse 18. He says that you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. You know what he's saying here? You got to see in Jesus. How deep is God's love in Jesus? How, I mean, how, yeah, how, I'm sorry, how wide is God's love in Jesus? How wide is it in Jesus? This is what he says here. Listen, in Jesus, the book of Isaiah says, though your sins are as red as scarlet, I can make them as white as snow. You know what Isaiah is saying here? Through God, God's saying through Isaiah, he's saying this. You know what red scarlet sin means? It's the picture of blood. He's saying even if your hand has been plastered by blood, I can make them as white as snow in Jesus. My love for you in Jesus is that wide. It is not limited. It is not focused. It is that wide that even if death is on your hands, I can free you from it. It's infinitely wider than you can possibly ever imagine. How, how long is God's love in Jesus? Scripture says this, from the foundation of the world, he has known you and loved you in Jesus. In Jesus, let me tell you how crazy this, this thought is. In, imagine this point. From the foundation of the world, God has loved you in Jesus. This is how long his love is. That every action, history, events, culture, life, stages, work, life, people, kings, emperors, nations, all these things set into motion piece by piece, moment by moment to get you to a place where you are now so that you would bow your knees and say before him, God, I surrender this life to you. He set all of that in motion from the very beginning of the foundation of time to have you. That's how long his love is in Jesus Christ. It's not some minuscule moment that just popped out out of nowhere. His love for you in Jesus has been established before the foundations of the earth. His love for you in Jesus Christ is as wide as what? That even if death is there, I am infinitely wider than that. How deep is his God's love for you? How deep is God's love for you? His love in Jesus is not just a mere abstraction. His love in Jesus is like this. This is how deep he would go. This is how far he would go. That on the cross, Jesus Christ cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The third person of your reality, why have you forsaken me? And the answer that God gives Jesus is what? So that I can win them all home in you. That's how far, how deep I will go for you in Jesus Christ. You cannot... You cannot be changed unless the focal point of your relationship with God is set in Jesus Christ. If the question is asked, how high is God's love? How high is God's love for you? In Jesus, his glory is our glory. The height that Jesus was elevated to, that is your height. You are pulsating with his glory forever in your life. The very heights of beauty is destined for you. He didn't just save you to leave you as minuscule human creatures, dead to your demises. He, left, he, he saved you in Christ to elevate you to where you have always meant to be. The beauty and the glory of Christ, that is your position. That's how high God's love for you is in Christ. Church, you got to understand that because unless that becomes real, you're not going to have the power. To be grasped, you're not going to be able to grasp this power that once turned nations upside down. That changed the course of human history. That changed humanity and its people. Everything we have is because sons and daughters of God grasped this power, this reality, this truth. They took it and they lived it out in such a powerful way that it shaped everything. Every generation, God calls a new group to do the same. We're not here to be passive, to coast through. We're here to be used by God for something greater than what he's called us to be. Than what you've ever known to be. I pray with all my heart, as Paul prays, that you will be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit so that Christ's fullness will dwell in you. So you will understand the surpassing knowledge of Christian love. And the fullness of God will be yours to change the world and the lives of the people all around you. Be the church, powered by the spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.